We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app welcome to face connecticut an in-depth look at today's issues good morning and welcome to another edition of face connecticut on wtic news talk 1080 96.5 tic fm and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Tim Phelan. He is president of the Connecticut Retail Merchants Association. Good morning to you, sir. Uh, Good morning, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Typically, this is the weekend when the holiday shopping season really gets underway in earnest, but it seems during the pandemic that may not be the case this year. It seems like things have already been going for a while. That's pretty astute observation on your part, Aaron. I think you're absolutely right. I think this year, the year of COVID, um, we've seen a couple of changes uh, from the uh, retail perspective and also from the consumer perspective. Uh, The retailer has started uh, sort of the holiday shopping season a little bit earlier. It's kind of like sort of rolled it out in more of a, you know, slow daily um, announcements. And I think consumers have reacted by um, starting their shopping a little bit earlier. And so we may not have the official, uh, you know, a shotgun start that we maybe have had um, in other years. In what other ways will the holiday shopping season be different this year? Well, I think we're going to see it in a couple of different ways. I think consumers are going to use different uh, avenues uh, to uh, do their shopping. So the, you know, traditional way of just getting in a car and driving to a store and walking around the store, you may not see um, as much of that sort of foot traffic that you have in other years because of the options that are now available and because of the, 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 you know, COVID conditions that we're living under. So I think you'll see more um, uh, online shopping uh, from all types of retailers, not just from traditional retailers. You'll see more uh, sort of um, maybe uh, order online, pick up in store, uh, which is another uh, popular item that folks have been using during uh, the holiday season. You're going to probably see more uh, curbside pickup uh, where you don't even go in the store. Someone from the store comes out um, and greets you with your purchase. So that kind of combination of different ways in which people are shopping because of COVID will be extended, I think, into the holiday season. How many of those measures and those new options for consumers do you think will stick around when things start to get back to normal? Do you think curbside pickup is is here to stay for a lot of retailers? Well, to be really um, direct, yes, I think they're all going to stay. I think part of the changes that um, had to take place because of COVID, um, uh, retailers made investments in all retailers had to make investments. You know, like, I mean, we're talking about a single store 
local mom and pop store that had to make investments in online um, selling to customers. Those aren't going to go away. And certainly the national um, chains that have uh, stores in a variety of states, um, those they've made those investments as well. And I think you're going to continue to see that. I think the new mantra in retail that has been enhanced uh, during the COVID period is meeting customers uh, where they are. We started to see that um, uh, with the use of technology in the course of the last you know, five or six years. And uh, even the last two or three years, you started to see more and more online shopping and traditional brick and mortar retailers converting and having active websites for customers to come in and make their purchases. And I think that's just been enhanced because of um, this uh, unprecedented time that we're in. And I think they're not going to go away. I think they're going to stick around. Talk a little more about the investments that retailers have made in terms of safety precautions in their stores. They've had to spend a lot of money and in some cases even reconfigure stores. Yeah, absolutely. They've had to spend money um, to comply with um, safe store guidelines that were put in place. That included plexiglass um, barriers between customers and, or dividers, I should say, between customers and um, retailers at point of sale. Uh, They had to make investments in, as you say, moving around some um, store configuration things. So, you know, maybe moving a a display uh, out of the way or reconfiguring um, an, uh, an aisle so that folks could have, you know, one way aisles. So lots, lots of, um, investments in terms of um, you know, physical conditions of the store in order to comply. Some of those may not stay. You may see um, when we um, eventually um, get back to normal, stores may, I'm certain, will eliminate the unnecessary um, bear, you know, sort of divider that they have uh, with customers. Eventually, I think some of the physical spacing may um, also be changed. Um, as well. But for short term now, they've made those investments to ensure that they comply with uh, safe store guidelines, which in in reality mean you want to have a safe store for people to come in and do shop. And, um, and, and they, that's a, that is the highest priority for the retailer. So make sure the customer, when they feel, when they walk in the store, they feel confident that the store, the store is a safe store, that the store is taking all the right precautions to make sure that their shopping experience results in a, in a safe, positive one. Do retailers have all the resources they need to ensure that? safe shopping experience? Do they have access to the adequate plexiglass? Do they need more, you know, funding from the federal government? What's on the wish list? In terms of the compliance with the safe store guidelines, I think those are already in place. They've had to be in place since May when we reopened. Um, So that I don't think is uh, necessarily as acute a problem as it might have been when uh, we first reopened. Uh, do, Do retailers still need assistance from Washington in terms of, um, you know, grants or loans or short-term loans to uh, continue to operate post-holiday season? I think the answer to that is yes. I think uh, consumer uh, demand is back, but it's not back to the level of pre-COVID. And if uh, holiday is not as strong as we all like and expect it to be, uh, the challenge to uh, retailers' bottom lines will remain a significant challenge, and they're going to need 
assistance in order to um, keep their business and their employees in their that work for their businesses um, employed. So it's still a critical uh, issue. It's a critical time for retailers, certainly. Um, and so they're going to be looking for help. But the assistance, I think it's going to, it, it is more in the need of, you know, uh, personal services and, and, you know, lease obligations that they still have, um, you know, overhead, things like that. Not necessarily in terms of a store configuration or PPE or, you know, things we've already talked about. Those things have already had, those, in, those costs have already had to be incurred. Uh, to prepare for reopening. I suspect it, it varies somewhat based on what retailers are selling, but in, in general, how has the industry fared during the pandemic? Did it take you a while to to get back up and running when the pandemic hit in earnest in March? Well, I think you touched on it a little bit. I think it depends on the type of retailer you are. I think all of the retailers that we represent and that we most of the ones that we spoke to that uh, we're excited and eager to reopen and to greet customers, regardless of what type of retailer uh, they were. Uh, now, some of segments of retail has done better uh, in terms of uh, reaching the pre-pandemic goals uh, or comparisons that they had um, uh, than others. Um, so other retailers are still you know, trying to you know, get customer demand back. So it all, all not to get too granular about it, but it, it really depends on what type of retailer and what kind of business, retail business you were in to determine exactly, you know, um, how you were doing pre or uh, pre, you know, COVID shutdown. I know you represent both large and small retailers. Is there equality there in terms of getting the assistance they need? We we heard, at least when it came to the, the Paycheck Protection Program, that larger retailers, larger businesses in general were, were able to get more help more quickly than, say, maybe that small mom and pop business. Have you heard of that? Or is it, has it been fairly equal? I haven't heard that uh, folks have been... Um let's say there are smaller independent retailers have been shut out because they're smaller independent. I think, I think it's a case of the resources that they have available to them to assist in the application process. So I think it, it's probably intuitive to your listeners and to yourself that if you're a larger company with, with uh, a, you know, either a bigger staff or resources to hire uh, professionals to, you know, sort of do your application in a faster manner and you can submit it um, through a bank at, at a faster rate than it takes in terms of just application process uh, than an independent retailer uh, that, that that's sort of going to give them the advantage. I haven't heard that a retailer, a smaller retailer did not get a loan uh, because they were a small retailer. I think it was just a matter of you know, the speed in which, um, unfortunately, you got your documentation in to uh, your lender uh, the, who could then forward it through to, um, I think it was the Federal Reserve Board they had to go to or some federal government to, to facilitate the actual uh, release of the funds. So I think that was kind of the, that's kind of the distinction as opposed to bigger companies getting it because they're bigger versus smaller companies not getting it because they're smaller. We heard recently from the Connecticut Restaurant Association that Connecticut has lost around 600 restaurants since the start of the pandemic. Are you seeing that large scale sort of 
business closure among retailers in Connecticut, or have you fared better than restaurants overall? Yeah, I saw that same number, and I my uh, thoughts go to my colleague at the uh, Restaurant Association. They've had a, a difficult time, I know. You know, it's, it's hard for me to say, Aaron, I haven't really tracked that number. Um, we, uh, I think overall, we fared okay during this. Um, we're in a different business than the uh, Restaurant Association uh, is, so a different type of consumer to, uh, demand. So, but I, I don't want to you know, downplay the impact that this has had on uh, the retailers that we represent. It has certainly had a negative impact on them. Um, the customer, uh, the, the times that they could not, you know, have folks in their stores was certainly um, had an impact, a negative impact on them. And then consumer demand uh, in some instances just has not come back. Uh, the change in lifestyles, depending again on what type of retailer you are, but you know, men's and women's clothing apparel, for instance, we know um, has been uh, impacted uh, negatively. Folks uh, working from home and doing Zooms don't necessarily need to get, you know, uh, shirts and ties or or don't need to go to dry cleaners to get those uh, suits uh, and shirts and type, you know, uh, wear uh, dry clean. So <clears throat> there's, it's not, it's not as if the uh, retail industry hasn't felt the effects of it. Uh, we certainly have. It's just, it's kind of hard. I don't know exactly how to compare it to um, how the Restaurant Association has done. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Tim Phelan. He is president of the Connecticut Retail Merchants Association. Now, in terms of what people are looking for for holiday shopping, have you seen those trends change at all compared to prior years? No, I haven't. I, I mean, all the data that we get from our friends in uh, Washington who track this stuff for the National Retail Federation looks like uh, the same type of popular items that we've had in previous years will also uh, continue this holiday season. Um, I would just say that, you know, there are, uh, you know, retailers, uh, the folks that have been um, in the home furnishing industry seem to be doing pretty well that people working from home for whatever reason now are all looking at projects that, that maybe they put off um, in the past that they're now sort of paying attention to and making uh, greater investments if they're homeowners. And then other, uh, so they may do, they may continue that during the holiday season, but I think the rest, the, the rest of the traditional Christmas gifts that we've seen, um, we'll, I haven't seen any data that shows that they're not going to, um, you know, enjoy that same popularity that they have had in previous years. So what are some of the most popular gift ideas this year? Yeah, I think you're going to see again, um, you know, apparel, apparel will be strong, you know, clothing, sweaters, shirts, uh, coats, gloves, hats, all that kind of stuff. Um, other, uh, you know, personal apparel, electronics um, is always popular, special, especially among younger folks, um, you know, g- uh, games, uh, that type of stuff, gift cards uh, continue to be popular, uh, jewelry, higher end um, um, uh, items uh, are, are also popular um, as well. And, um, you know, um, books, again, uh, uh, constantly a uh, perennial a favorite during the holiday season. Now, I know the, the comfort level varies depending on the consumer, but if, if someone is, is going shopping in person this year, what advice do you have 
for them? Yeah. Well, we certainly would tell, try to encourage those customers when they go in, in store to understand that the retailer that they're going to visit um, is abiding by all the safe store guidelines that the state has required them to do. So that when they go into that store, they should know that the retailer um, is doing their, their level best to make that um, store as safe and that shopping experience as uh, positive as possible for the for the retailer. Uh, on the on the return end for the consumer, you know, please wear a mask. Please um, abide by the social distancing guidelines that the retailer is asking you to do. Um, that's going to make the shopping experience a safe one for everyone. Um, also, little things this year that you may. Um, try to think about a little bit more than you have in other years. You know, be prepared for what it is that you want to purchase when you go in store. Um, try to be, um, you know, more, I don't want to say decisive, but try to understand, you know, like what is it that you're looking for? And, and then, you know, have your method of payment ready. Cause I think unfortunately this year with um, COVID, you know, time constraints are also you know, a consideration. And we certainly by no means, want to rush the shopping process. We just want everybody to be aware of, you know, um, and, and they are, I mean, I don't think we have to state the obvious, but they are aware that this is going to be a different shopping uh, year than it has been in any other. The retailer is going to have their store ready. The retailer is going to have the store safe for you. Um, and, and in return, we just ask that you too, um, you know, uh, sort of comply with uh, the mask wearing requirements and, and the other social distancing things that um, we're asking everybody to do. When it comes to those rules, what is the, the best way for retailers to maybe remind someone who's not wearing a mask or going the wrong way down an aisle or something? I'm, I, I'm guessing, you know, confrontational may not be as good as friendly reminder. Yeah. Well, we all want to avoid confrontations uh, between retailers and customers that went out of the business to doing that. I think the, the best way um, is the way that um, has been taking place already, which is, you know, constant reminder that uh, masks are the, uh, the safest way to prevent the spread uh, of the virus that the distancing um, the social distancing um, are, uh, is another way that while you're in the store to, um, you know, make sure that you're uh, safe. Um, and, I, and again, I go back to when uh, retail stores reopened, um, you know, back in May, we, we had these things um, in place and uh, we've only gotten better at it uh, since that time. The retail end, we, you know, sort of like a, a practice run for, for the holiday season, things like uh, having the proper signage in place. I know some retailers are going to be making announcements, uh, you know, periodically to remind customers when they're in their store that, you know, so practice social distancing and get, wear masks and do your best to, um, you know, um, practice safe, um, uh, you know, practices when you're when you're in the in the store. So I think you're going to see a lot of those, you know, a lot of signs, a lot of directional signs, and a lot of um, you know uh, uh, reminders on the part of the retailer that we're sort of all in this together. I know the governor at our meeting last week um, sort of said that that you know we're the consumer and the retailer are in this together, and uh, we all as citizens of the state are in this together. We want to make sure that we all enjoy a, a, a happy and healthy holiday season and 
to do that, we have to try to work together. Now, your trade group has had a seat at the table with the administration throughout this. Have there been any conversations about, you know, tweaking the the COVID-19 rules when it comes to retailing, or are they pretty happy with how things are going? Well, no, I think uh, the rules for retailers in terms of capacity limits are going to remain the same at 50%. And uh, you're right. You know, we have had a seat at the table. We're very uh, grateful for that. It's a recognition on the part of the governor and um, his team that how important retail is to Connecticut's economy. And uh, we continue to have um, a good dialogue with uh, the governor and his uh, his key folks. In fact, we just you know, had a conversation with Commissioner Lehman about this weekend. So we'll continue that dialogue. We'll continue um, to work with him, um, with the governor and his folks to make sure that um, the word is out always with our members and with uh, consumers, how important it is for us to, you know, continue to have safe shopping experiences. You know, we're always trying to find a, a silver lining. Could it be here when it comes to retailing in the pandemic that it forced some retailers who were maybe used to just selling in person online, and that is going to benefit their business more in the long run to actually be in the online game? You know, I think that's absolutely right, Aaron. It goes back to what I was trying to say earlier, that um, the independent retailer that, uh, to your point, maybe was a little reluctant or just didn't necessarily focus on the need to have a strong online presence has certainly paid attention to that during this uh, period of time. And that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for everybody. It's a good thing for the, certainly I think good thing for the retailer. It's a good thing for the for the consumer as well, because they want to be able to support um, and shop local and sometimes not being able to have a, a good internet, uh, I mean, a good web uh, interaction with uh, the retailer prevented that. Now I think more and more independents are focused, have focused on their web presence and how they they can meet the customer that way and um, have done a better job of that. And that will continue to evolve. And I think that's a positive thing. And the national retailers who, who for years have been trying to compete, you know, online with purely online retailers have really ramped up their online presence. And, and all of it results in what we think is a positive experience for for the customer and things that we've already kind of talked about the the purchase online pickup at store the curbside pickup the purely online pickup you know all those options are now available to customers and and that's in in the end that's a that's a benefit to them in our last minute or so can you share with us maybe an example of of a retailer who has had to innovate and come up with, with something creative to keep their business going, or maybe a, a business who is, is giving back even though they themselves are kind of struggling? Well, I know of a small independent retailer in my hometown who, um, for a variety of reasons, decided that she, didn't, she did not want to open up her, her shop. She had some underlying health conditions and some uh, I think some of her employees did as well. And she went to a purely online, she was a brick and mortar retailer and went to a purely online line retailer and she's surviving and thriving and doing great. So I think there's probably, you know, lots of those stories out there in terms of, uh, <clears throat> you know, trying to uh, come, trying to keep the thing, uh, the, the, the business going during this holiday season. So we would encourage folks, you know, to, you know, continue to shop local, maybe not, maybe look online before you go out 
and visit their store, but um, they're out there. And in terms of giving back to the community, there are always um, really good stories of retailers and what they do to try to try to help their uh, local communities. You know, lots of retailers that we know have kept on uh, many of their employees and continue to, you know, pay them even during uh, the first phase of this, which was, you know, a shutdown of their stores. If they weren't um, considered an essential retailer, they could only operate uh, with curbside pickup. And that impacted a lot of uh, retailers. And I know uh, lots of those same retailers decided that they were going to keep their employee counts as the, as, as the same. They're going to continue to pay folks even though they couldn't uh, stay open. And that just demonstrated to me and reinforced with me that they are committed to not only their stores, but their employees and, are, and those families that are involved in that as well. He is Tim Phelan, president of the Connecticut Retail Merchants Association. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. You're welcome, Aaron. It's always a pleasure to be with you and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and to all your listeners. Same to you. And thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.